How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and good morning to you. How's your plant world doing? you'd like to talk about it, simply give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Every Saturday morning, I do a good gardening stroll, and then afterwards, we can talk about what's impacting your trees, your perennials, what you need to do on that hillside, how about those shrubs, your lawn, ground cover, and anything that's planted in your outdoors, but also we can step inside your house and take a look at your tropical world. For care, routine maintenance, the impact on pets have on your house plants as well as the outside plants. What is a potting mix? Do you need to do any pruning? Should you be worried about bugs right now, insects, suspicious growth or spots, transplanting? taking cuttings and beyond. I'll share my knowledge, help you make good decisions, but the action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And please remember, this is your show, and I appreciate you hearing about your plant world by me. Another very important player is Drew. He is producing. He pushes all the buttons. He answers the phone. So when you call, he just needs your first name. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides our Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your plant world for an on-site consultation. Now, I will apologize. I'm way behind. I've gotten a lot of people calling me. So there's several people that I have not returned their phone calls. And I will, I promise, in the next, probably on Monday or so, I've got to get things back in order because things have been insane. But anyway, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Ooh, I stepped outside. My computer, AccuWeather, for some reason, said it was 31. I thought, well, that's not that bad. And then I stepped outside, and I realized, ah, AccuWeather hadn't updated or something because I looked at the thermometer in the backyard. It was pretty dark. It was in the low 20s. Well, mid-20s, I guess, 24. But anyway, the sky was getting bright, and it was going to be a sunny day. And crows were cruising by up and down the street, checking for breakfast at the corner of Oregon and Father Joe Rolke and Gravoy. There sits the St. Francis 
Cabrini Academy. And there's many cultures and one family. That's what it's called, all about. It's a multi-purpose area, this particular area that I'm talking about. It's fenced in. There's a soccer goal there. There's some basketball backboards. And there's a yellow, blue-yellow, twisty-turny, climbing all over the round playground equipment there as well. Several picnic tables, hand-painted. That was kind of cool. The hand-painted was a stack. Of, there's several stacks of tires that have been planted, that have been hand-painted. And also there is raised planting beds that have been hand-painted. And uh, one of them has all kinds of hand prints all over it. So it's really kind of a cool thing. And one of the hand, the one with the hand prints all over the sides and everything else. It's really a, a peaceful setting this morning. And it's on Gravoy on the way downtown. I pass it several times, but I've never really stopped to do my good gardening stroll there. And I thought, well, this is perfect morning for it. Then across the street, there is a Catholic church, which I can, I don't want to mispronounce the name, but it's St. W-A-N-C-E-S-L-A-U-S, Catholic Church, which was founded in 1895. So that's right across the street from uh, the, the, the playground area and everything else. So it's really kind of an intense area. There's several large churches in that, you know, in that part of town, too. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314 or 36-7900, or 1-800-925-1120. And uh, I guess we'll go ahead and... It looks like Pat's calling. Hi, Pat. How are you today? I'm doing fine, thank you. I called last week, and I forgot to ask this question. I have three... I'm assuming they're rows of Sharon trees, not shrubs, because they're more a trunk with higher branches. Some of them are five feet tall. A couple of them are almost seven feet. And on the ends of the branches coming out, there's like a dried shell, um, I guess, where the flower, the bloom was last year. So my question is, since I didn't plant these, should I cut these off? Should I trim this tree slash shrub back from the top? or I'm not sure what to do with it. Uh, you can just leave it alone. They're tough. They're durable. They're summer bloomers. And uh, the only reason you'd be pruning it is just because you don't have anything else. No, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> so is you know, pruning for any kind of summer bloomer would be before any kind of new growth begins. So you, if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it pretty soon, but you don't have to at all. Okay. How tall do these get? Uh, well, it's technically, it's not truly a tree. It's just a shrub that's been pruned to become a tree look. Okay. And probably, there's some of mine in the South City neighborhood, and some of these are probably about uh, 8 to 10 feet high. Okay, yeah, because the trunk on the largest one toward the bottom is about uh, about a uh, half dollar to a silver dollar round. Right. So, I mean, they're not real big. No. And so it's just it really, it's like I said, somebody's pruned up, pruned off the lower branches to make it, you know, have a more of a, a shape that they preferred. But uh, again, they're very low care. You don't really need to do too much for them at all. 
Well, that sounds great. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And let's see. Sue, we'll have to get to you after we come back from these messages. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be right back. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, spring is almost here. And uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your landscape, let's head over to the Sue's yard right now, though. Hi, Sue. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I'm, I know there's a lot of winter left, but like you said, spring is on its way. I was wondering, on some of these nice days, I'm really tempted to get out there and get a first cut on my grass. Is that going to do any harm to it? Uh, what You have like a cool season lawn, fescue, or bluegrass? Yes. Yeah, and heavens no. And you're probably better off to cut it because if you don't, what happens is the potential for there's a lot of funguses that can actually start germinating in, during the winter season, even though it's cold. If there's snow or extra rain like we had, it was that rain we had the other night was like pretty darn intense. And if the blades get long and they get matted down by rain, then you've got a potential for fungus problems. So, yes, cutting your grass, cutting your lawn is something is really advisable. Okay, I also know that by the time, you know, by the time it's really spring, the grass gets so high so fast right. that it's hard to even get through it. So I thought maybe I was crazy, but <laughs> I want to get out there and do it now. No, yes. Uh, so, yeah, definitely get a cut. And uh, even if you've got, uh, let's say, a fescue and you haven't cut it, the blades may be long enough that they can, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, uh, not a fescue of, that's, well, let me, I'll skip that since we're, t- we're talking about your fescues and bluegrasses. But that's what we, okay. really should, we should really do. Perfect. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Sure. Thank you very much. And now let's head over to Stephen's yard. Hi, Stephen. Hello, yes. Hey, I have a clematis, a climbing clematis, and I'm trying to train it to grow up uh, an arbor historically I've been cutting it off at the ground and I've transplanted it to this arbor now. Do I need to be cutting it off to the ground or just let it, uh, let the vegetation remain? Yeah. Let the vegetation remain because, uh, I mean, that's perennial and that's what you start weaving into your arbor. So that's, you know, the new growth. So if you cut it off, then you got to restart the whole thing. So if it's a a well-established plant, and you relocated it to this arbor, then no, don't cut it back. Just leave it alone and weave it in and out of the arbor. Great. Yeah, I had it in one location, and it was spectacular. But it got so big, it would actually get into my neighbor's tree. Whoa. I would cut it down. Well, then I've transplanted it now, and now i made this arbor over my sidewalk. So, all right, I appreciate it, Mike. Hey, really enjoy your show. I listen every Saturday morning. So, first-time caller. All right, thanks. Well, thanks, and thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, let's head over now to Richard's yard. Hi, Richard. Yes, my my question is about my maple trees and how to control the roots that are coming to the surface. Uh, there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, that's just sort of 
the soil that we have in this region and just the majority of trees are going to have surface roots, especially the maples. And and if you go out there and you try to chop them off and stuff, you're doing some major damage because those surface roots are really within the top, let's say, six six or eight inches of the soil. Those roots that run along there are the ones that at the ends, that's where the feeder ends are. So that's the area that uptakes nutrients and moisture and uh, then sends it back up to the tree, up the trunk. And then when there's foliage, when there's leaves on it, then that makes chlorophyll, which is food, which helps the tree be healthy. But there's nothing you can do as far as preventing the root system from if you try to bury it or do those kind of things. It's just going to be a nightmare. You, what you can do is you know, try to get some established uh, or get established some ground covers, be it evergreen or be this, you know, herbaceous or whatever, and that's about it. Would it help any to build like a flower bed around the tree, kind of following the canopy of the tree? You could certainly do that, yes. Okay. I think I'll try that. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I mean, in a situation like that, I mean, there's really a lot of, you know, you're going to have to probe around to find the best spot uh, as far as, you know, installing any kind of, uh, let's see, perennials or things like that or ground covers or anything because you want to make sure that where you're planting them, there's good soil or there's kind of, let's say, not just wood from the, from the root system right underneath the surface where you're planting. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. My pleasure. Have a good day. Yep. You too. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I don't know if what area you live in, but uh, the other night we had some pretty good lightning over our house. And uh, it gives me a chance again to bring uh, a quote by Mark Twain. Thunder is good. Thunder is impressive, but lightning does the work. And what this is is what the... The water droplets collide in the atmosphere, and electrons are knocked free. And that creates an electrical field above the earth and a strong positive force on the ground. This, you know, this, what this does is basically it puts, it, when, the, you know, when, they, when the lightning explodes, atmospheric nitrogen is fixed, fixing. And lightning breaks apart the nitrogen molecules, enabling the atoms to combine with oxygen to form nitrogen oxides. And then they dissolve in the rainwater and they fall to earth. And that's why after lightning storms, if there's foliage and things like that, they're all, what this is is, is is very subtle fertilizer. And that's what it's really all about. And a uh, couple, couple other things related to lightning. Sometimes lightning can reach 20,000 degrees centigrade. So that's three times hotter than the sun's surface. So that's just kind of absolutely incredible. So just keep that in mind. Also keep in mind the forsythia is not blooming yet, but it's getting pretty close. I was walking uh, around as I normally do. And I saw forsythia shrub. It wasn't showing any color yet, but I could see the buds were really starting to open up. Also, I noticed that there was a dogwood in the, you know, not in the same yard, but in a different yard. 
and even its buds were starting to kind of open slightly. So, I mean, they don't bloom at the same time by any means. The dogwood's always later than the forsythia. But when the forsythia's in bloom or starts blooming, you got to get out there. If you have annual warm season weeds historically and put the pre-emergent down. And those annual warm season weeds include spurge, ragweed, purslane, knotweed, then uh, carpet weed, crabgrass, barnyard grass, a couple of other annual type grasses as well. So this is a, you know, you got to kind of stay up with this. If you want to have, if you're really concerned about, let's say, having a lawn that's uh, more, more grass than, let's say, broadleaf weeds. It doesn't, you know, I mean, I don't, personally, I don't put any pre-emergent down myself because I like to see what's coming up and what's, as a result of that, then it enables me to kind of let listeners, you know what's going on as far as what I've noticed. Besides when I'm walking around, I notice, I look in people's yard, I don't walk into the yard but as I'm walking along the sidewalk and things like that, I take a look at it. And uh, other things that are going on in the outdoors besides the weed factor is the spring flowering bulbs are really starting to grow. I mean, I've got some daffodils that uh, from Brightside St. Louis that are really several years old, probably at least 10 years old. And... Uh, They've been coming back reliably for multiple years, and now the foliage is probably like four inches. So we've still got some time before you're going to actually see the flowers on those guys. And But uh, that's I can't wait for that. That's one of my favorite type, you know, favorite things is the daffodils in the springtime. Tulips and everything else, for sure I like. Crocus, I've got some crocus kind of dotted all over the place, and some in pots. And... Uh, some of the crocus are in pots are still, I, I forgot that the, what I had planted in these pots and I put them in the garage and uh, now I see the foliage is starting to come up. So one of the things I'm going to have to be doing in the next, you know, probably few days, if not today, when I get off, uh, you know, when the show's over and I do a few other things is get these pots back outside so they can get more sun because they look pretty good. It's actually surprising. And uh, but uh, they want to be out there in the sun's and uh, sun, and I want to see them, you know, in the sun as well. So three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Give us a call because we do have some phone lines open. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, and let's head over to Eric's yard. Hi, Eric. Hi, Mike. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, one of them was that I had some Umanus bushes for the last several years, and this year I think when it got real cold, um, they don't look real good. Like the leaves are falling off, and uh, the it has a little bit of a funny-looking color. Um, do you think those should be dug up and maybe something else put in? Not necessarily. They should be okay. It should, you know, my guess is it's going to be a cosmetic type problem, but all the euonymus throughout the entire region, the shrub to the broadleaf evergreen type suffered major damage because of that early cold snap that we had. And uh, if you can go ahead, there's one uh, 
in the neighborhood where I live, and they've already pruned theirs back, but uh, I think yours is probably going to be okay. It's just going to not necessarily look as good as it did for a year or two. Yeah, it doesn't look just real great. And I was, um, my wife and I were talking, like if we, if it would have to get uh, dug up and get rid of, you know, we sort of like that lighter color. And if I wanted to try something else, what would be another plant that I consider putting in? Now, are you using it for a hedge or are you using it just for an individual, you know, plant? In, just for an individual plant. I would probably look at maybe the uh, China Boy, China Girl type holly type things. Okay, China boy, China girl. Yeah, okay. and that way I, I, get a larger China girl and a smaller China boy. The China boy is needed so it can pollinate the China girl, and that way you can get the red berries. Okay, and then uh, I, got, I like azaleas, too, and, they, and they've done pretty good. I guess I could, if I wanted to put something different with a little more color, I guess they wouldn't be too bad either. No, certainly not. I mean, yep. If you and had I, good and luck I had with the azaleas. Question. I had another question, too. I've had a, maybe like about 10 extra uh, tulip bulbs that I didn't get planted last year. Would it be worthwhile trying to put those in the ground at this time? Well, you can put them in the ground, but you're not going to get any flowers off of them this spring. But you probably will flowers. get some foliage, and the foliage is going to even be you know, later than what you would normally anticipate as a result of you know the late planting. So, okay. Also, you can put them in pots with a potting mix and just leave the pots out in the sun. Now, they're probably still not going to give you any flowers, but they're going to give you foliage. Okay. And then the last question is I had is I had some cannabis bulbs that had been given to me last um, winter, and I've had them in the in the basement. And they said, yeah, in the spring you should go ahead and probably try to get those in the ground. Do you think what time? of year would I start putting these in? Well, the ground is still pretty cold, so don't bother doing it yet because, I mean, it's probably not going to be cold enough that it's going to cause damage to the cannas, but I would probably wait until, let's say, uh, early April. That would probably be the soonest I would go ahead and, you know, put them in the ground. Early April, and you usually put those in the ground like about uh, three or four inches deep? or Right, exactly. Okay, then. Okay. Well, listen, thank you very much, and I'll we'll see how those Yumanas turn out then. So thanks oh, again for the call. Great. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. I was calling uh, to ask you about um, making a raised vegetable garden container, if there's certain materials to use or to avoid, how deep it needs to be, and what's the soil mixture when I'm just making one from scratch and I don't have the soil yet. Probably what I would do is, you know, decide, you know, as far as the siding goes, is that what you're asking? It could be wood. It could be, you know, blocks. It could be bricks. It could be all kinds of different things. Not individual, okay. just bricks stacked on top of each other because they're just going to fall apart. But uh, okay. so, so you can make it out of lots of different things. Okay. Um, so what would be the depth then if it's going to be for vegetables? Uh, probably, first of all, before, you know, decide the area that you're going to do, that you're going to actually do the raised bed. Turn the existing soil over. And then you can go to St. Louis Composting, and they actually have a raised bed mix, oh, which okay. is a topsoil compost mix. And then you just mix that in all together with the existing soil and probably uh, at least four inches, if not six inches deep. 
Okay, four inches or six inches deep. Um, yeah, because I would say the the raised bed would be like a four three by ten, four by ten, something like that. Right. Okay. All right, sounds good. So then I don't have to worry about. I I guess anymore they don't really do pressure treated wood, so that the chemical and all that wouldn't be an issue with the soil and the plants. No, it wouldn't. Okay. All right. I appreciate. And you, it. I mean, you, you so can much. use you know use plastic wood too. You don't have to use wood wood. Right. Okay. That I don't have to use expensive cedar wood, though, either, right? No, you it's don't. <laughs> you could, but you don't have to. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Sure. My pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Speaking of vegetables, raised beds and that type of thing, last year, let's say you were growing tomatoes, and you really had some poor fruit set last year. And uh, tomatoes... The fruit is really, uh, you know, important as far as with pollination, followed by, uh, you know, the actually setting. And ultimately, it developed in the seeds as a fruit matures. But a series of events since, you know, to this plant can cause real problems. If the temperatures are high, especially if it's low humidity, which we really don't have all that much, but fruits that can fail as a result of that. Also, the viability of the pollen within the plant and the fertilization, that can be an impact on poor fruit set as far as the tomatoes go. And temperatures, when they get above 90 degrees, which that's not going to be until uh, obviously midsummer or so, but that's when you're getting the tomatoes in the ground in May, and then you watch them grow, and then they start setting their fruits later on. But 90 degrees, you know, during the day and 70 degrees at night can result in poor flowering, and that's going to reduce the flowers, you know, fruit, tomato sets as well. And uh, there's also other factors of, you know, to really kind of kind of consider that poor fruit set is just uh, uh, it can be really frustrating because you 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 can have a nice looking plant, but you're not getting you know, the flowering and you're not getting the pollination in between the two. And there's really not too much you can, you know, do except maybe also watch out the variety of the tomatoes that you're buying, which is, you know, very important as well. Other things that you need to be thinking about is uh, if you're going to grow plant material, I mean, you can grow tomatoes in pots. You don't have to grow them in the ground. For several years, we grew uh you know, I have in the last two or three years, but we grew uh, tomatoes in pots and really had some pretty good success with them. And they just were uh, that way easier to control. And since it's just Tracy and I, we didn't need a whole lot of tomatoes because I didn't want to be one of those people that, you know, get so many tomatoes because I did get good fruit set that I start wandering around over to the neighbor's house. Hi. Would you like some tomatoes? <laughs> no, I just don't want to do that. But uh, we grew uh, a lots of, you know, several varieties of the smaller types. So that was good fun. And uh, when watch your, you know, as I said before, your uh, spring flowering bulbs are going to start, you know, producing new, fo- you know, the growth is go- on the foliage is going to start. But also if you have perennials, Watch out because soon as you know the ground starts getting warmer and warmer, that you're going to start to see some growth on your perennials. And some of the perennials, like mums, they need to be pinched back so you can have a nice thick you know 
plants, or, you know, and then consequently you'll have a great amount of flowers in the fall. And that's what's, you know, what's it's all about. Uh, this is a time of year, too, to, you know, to kind of head out. If you've got some suckers coming off the base of some of your uh, your, you know, your flowering trees or your normal-type trees, that those suckers, a lot of times, it's, you know, they're coming off, depending upon what type of tree it is, they're coming off the root system because the tree has been grafted. So if you have some of the flowering trees, uh, crab apples and things along that line, there could be a couple different trees there together, or the weeping cherries or the flowering cherries or several different types of plants. And those, that sucker growth coming off the root system, it really is detrimental to the plant's overall health. So just kind of keep that in mind. And as I said before, watch out uh, for the broadleaf weeds, you know, perennials and annual types, because it's really, you know, extremely important to keep the weeds under control because they can be so aggressive when it comes to, uh, you know, fighting against your lawn, because this is a, such a difficult area to have good, successful lawn. And when the, the weeds are in there, then it just makes it that much worse. As I talked about before, some of the you know various types of fungus that can infect your uh, lawn is like snow mold. And on, uh, let's say, on some of the trees, there's a, a fungus called cedar apple rust. And on some of the shrubs, there's powdery mildew. And what you need to do is decide or you know, determine what exactly the fungus is. And then consequently, then you're going to get the fung- fungicide to get it under control. So just you know, keep that in mind. And also, uh, if you've amaryllis have finished blooming and uh, huge flowers, just cut that flower stem off and let the new foliage grow and put it in a full sunny, full sun situation in your house, not outside yet. Let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, I'm looking to put in a crab apple tree this year. Can uh-huh. you recommend um, a pretty one and that doesn't get too large? Uh, basically, there's so many different types. You know, I would just go to your favorite garden center and, you know, kind of see what, you know, what they would have because okay. it would be, you know, the color of the flower, you know, if it's a graft tree, grafted tree, that type of thing. So that would probably be easier than me just naming a variety. And then you go there and they don't have that particular one. But there's so many different ones available. Great. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, there's, I mean, crab apples are spectacular. But again, I mean, some of them, and I would, you know, maybe do some research online too and see about some of them that they're going to be, some are more prone to, cedar apple rust and that's uh you know a problem from an aesthetic standpoint it kind of ruins the foliage and everything else and so just kind of keep that in mind a crab apple in and of itself can be great but it can you know can also be some trouble so be conscious of that factor uh this is a time of year where some of the wildlife is going to start becoming more and more active Wildlife, not be, I mean, beyond the deer, the chipmunks, the voles, and mice, and things like that, especially if you do, you know, put out some bird seed that really attracts lots of different kinds of, let's say, mammals. And uh, so just be conscious if you start seeing the bottom of some of your shrubs being chewed off, that can be a result of some of these little, you know, let's say, 
terribly horrible uh, voles, moles, chipmunks, all that stuff, as well as rabbits. And so we, the deer do some really devouring and cause some major damage with you know the males rubbing on the various trunks of things, but also with the females, you know, I mean, they both have to have some food. And so if you've got things that are attractive to them, then you can expect that to be uh, you know, trouble if you live in an area where there are deer. So Mike Miller, KMWAX Garden Hotline. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more... Game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Mick's yard. Hi, Mick. Hi, Mike. Hi. I wanted to ask you about uh, Ray's garden bed. Sure. I'm a little, I, I wanted to put them together last fall, and, of course, I didn't get around to it. Am I too late to start that now, uh, get them filled and... And still planning them this year. Oh no, you got plenty of time. So, okay. I mean, it all depends on what you're trying to grow in them and everything else. But uh, you should not have any problems. Just uh, like I told the lady earlier in this hour, uh, just make sure you churn the area up that you're going to put the raised bed on. Before, like rototill it or shovel it and turn it over, and then add, get a raised bed mix. You can get it from St. Louis Composting, or you can make a blend yourself of compost and topsoil and just work it into the existing soil. Okay. Yeah, I, I can do that. That's that's good to know. I just, like you said, put it off. I also wanted to ask you about uh, Sweet Autumn Clematis. Uh-huh. 
I think there's someone in the neighborhood that uses that for a ground cover. I can't really get close enough to it to see it. It's kind of a drive-by thing. What, wasn't Clematis originally used for ground cover, and then they figured out it looks better on a trellis? <laughs> well, it could be. I mean, it depends upon the variety and the you know the region that you're speaking of. But uh, generally, what's you know, I mean, sweet autumn clematis. It's I I really like it because of the you know the smell and everything else. But it is right. highly aggressive and it does produce seed that are wind blown, and so you can have uh, you know coming germinating in places and other people's yards and things like that. But that that wouldn't you know, prevent me from wanting to grow it. But yeah, it could certainly be you know as a ground cover. Okay. Well, I don't. We we just started this uh, last year, and it it took right off. It was from an established plant. It took right off, and it seemed to have stayed green most of the winter. And it it just didn't skip a beat. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's not. You know, historically it is not evergreen, but uh, the milder weather can certainly make it so it is almost evergreen. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good news on the uh, on the raised flower bed. I uh, I appreciate your help. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, the raised flower beds with our soils. Even if you live in a part of town that the soil is not all that bad, can be to the advantage of all kinds of different plants that you're trying to grow, especially anything that's seasonal, be it vegetables, be it cut flowers, be it annuals, or even you can have perennials and stuff. You don't have to have you know, just annual type things growing in the raised bed, but uh, that raised bed circumstance really does help. Well, I said I said flower bed, I meant garden bed. Okay. Uh, cucumber, squash, that sort of thing. Right. This is perfect. Okay. All right, sir. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Debbie's. Hi, Debbie. Hi, I have a question about peonies. Um, when is the best time to transplant those? Uh, the ideal time is if you know right where they are, what you don't. But as soon as the foliage starts coming up out of the ground, you know, it has that kind of hand look to it, then dig uh-huh. it up and, you know, get the location of where you're going to move it to uh, ready before you dig it, you know, dig it up. And then leave it sit above the ground for a day or two because when you first dig them up, the root systems are very brittle, and it can you can do some damage by dropping it back down into a hole. And just make sure you don't plant it too deep because you are going to have the surface there, and I would plant it slightly higher than what it was when you dug it up because if there's any settling at all, and dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball that you've dug up, but only, like I said, about 80 to 90% as deep. So, in other words, it's going to be sitting slightly above the ground and allow for some settling. Okay, okay. So will it flower this year then if I transplant it, or will it not flower? It probably like won't. It probably okay. may, it may even be two, two years without too much flowering. But you may get lucky, and it's going to be weather-dependent, it's going to be location-dependent and all that other factors. But uh, I wouldn't count right. on the flowering. Okay, and all right. To, and well, thanks pro- for your help, Mike. Sure, and probably, to be honest with you, I would go ahead and just, if you do see some flower buds coming, I'd pinch them off because this is a new transplant. 
It doesn't have a well-established root system. And any kind of flowering at all that any plant does is stressful. Even a healthy, you know, long-term in the same place perennials or shrubs or anything else. So don't allow it to flower for the first year. Okay. All righty. Will do. Thanks right. for your help. Sure. My pleasure. Bye-bye. And now let's head over to Barb's. Hi, Barb. Hello, Mike. Yes. Uh, two questions. Uh, I had my burning bushes trimmed last year. There's 42 of them. Uh, they're about six inches of new growth. If I cut that off now, will that do anything about the but it, the term when they're ready to turn color? Will it hurt anything? No, not at all. Because, I mean, the foliage, you're talking about the euonymus burning bush? Uh, yes. Yeah. No, so, no, 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 no. Uh, the burning bush, you know, that turns in the fall. Right. Bright red. Yes. Yeah. So it's a type of euonymus, but it's, you know, oh. it's deciduous. Okay. But anyway, no, by pruning, you're you're going to reduce the amount of leaves. But no, it you know, pruning it now won't do anything at all as far as detrimental to. Uh, well, there's 42 of them across the side of my yard. It's kind of like a hedge oh. uh, situation. Uh, my Russian sage, I can cut now. I just didn't get to cut this winter, so I cut it now. Yeah, you can certainly do that. But before any kind of new growth, you know, starts emerging, get that done, because that's okay. this is a perennial versus you know a shrub. Yeah, uh, I, I've got to get that done. Uh, okay, I called a man about getting fertilized spread in the yard. I've got two acres, and uh, he I know about pre-emergence, but uh, listening to your conversation just prior to this, I thought you were saying put pre-emergence down now, but you wouldn't now, would you? No. For the warm season annual weeds, you put it down when the forsythia is in bloom. So when the yellow forsythia oh, well, is flowering, that's when you put the pre-emergent down. So that's right around the corner. Yeah, it's pretty yes. close. Right. And and put pre-emergence down then? It, yes. That's the time if you're going to put a pre-emergent, that's when you want to do it for the warm season weeds. Now, the cool so the, season weeds, which are the ones that are growing right now, you put that pre-emergent down in August. So there's really two times a year you put a pre-emergent down because there's two different types of annual weeds. Hey, that's what I'm confused, that there's two different types, because he's going to spread fertilizer in about two weeks, and he said, no, don't put down seed particularly right now. Yeah. Wait till fall. You Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. 
Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. Do better. Yes, I mean, the ground is really cool right now. So seed uh-huh, germination, uh-huh. as far as with a lawn seed, is going to be reduced. That's why fall is always better as far as putting, you know, lawn seed down, be it fescue, bluegrass, or whatever. All right, Barb. Thank you very much. And we'll be back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And this is the second hour of the Garden Hotline, which is the tip of the trowel, which is a special on-air recognition of individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. But right now, we have phone lines open. If you have any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world, whether it's the indoors or outside plants, you can give a call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, and we can talk about it. And thanks for inviting me onto your show, where discussions range from making plant selection for a specific location how to care for, talking about what should be done during peak season versus humdrum times, whether annuals, spring, summer bulbs, herbs, vegetables, fruit trees, evergreens, ground covers, herbaceous or evergreen, perennials, up, you know, cascading or upright growing houseplants, cooler season lawns, all kinds of different stuff, as you know. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take you towards success, but strictly offered for you to consider. This is your show, and a very important player again is Drew. He answers the phone, pushes all the buttons and everything else. All I have to do is sit here and lay back and just take it easy. Oh, it is so easy. I'm Mike Miller, by the way, uh, Garden Hotline since... 1994. Wow. And besides our Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your home and do check out your plant world. Again, I've fallen behind because there are so many things going on in my world, and I wasn't feeling too well 
And so slowly but surely, I'm creeping back, and I'm going to get, you know, there's several people that I need to contact. I will be doing that on Monday. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Today's tip of the trial is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Before Tracy and I moved to South City, we lived in Soulard. So the tip of the trial goes out to all the Soulard residents during this Mardi Gras parade circumstance. It's as I drove by on my way down, down today, I could see the roads are already barricaded off. So the interesting thing is when you live there, you can't get in there to get to your home. And also you can't get out. So what we did is we lived on Lamai and uh, we parked on the west side of Highway 55. And we would had to walk over, you know, to get to our car so we could go someplace. And then when we got when we came back, because the roads were still barricaded, you had to you know, park again. And I mean, parking is hard to find unless you're getting out there pretty darn early. Uh, you had to park your car away from you know, the Soulard neighborhoods. And then consequently, then you had to walk back towards your home. So all the Soulard residents, I mean, it's great fun. The Mardi Gras is fun. And uh, but uh, it does make a, a little bit of complications, too. So in other words, let's say you go to the grocery store and you got multiple bags of stuff. Uh, how are you going to get carry those? No, you just have to wait for a day or so. And personally, I've been to the Mardi Gras parades in New Orleans when I was in the Air Force, uh, Barksdale Air Force Base, which is in basically Shreveport, Louisiana. For the two years that I was there before I got sent out to March Air Force Base in Cal you know, in Riverside, uh, we went down to the Mardi Gras uh, parades and Mardi Gras situation in New Orleans. It was totally wild. So the the Soulard Parade is good and fun and everything else, but uh, I mean the one at uh, New Orleans was just totally insanely you know crazy. And the people at that time, the, this was like uh, early seventies. And uh, people were really nice, the New Orleans residents. So a couple times they actually reached out, gave us uh, a couple friends that I were down there, gave us a chance to come into their home, actually invited us indoors to give us a chance so we could kind of catch our breath because, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. But anyway, enough of that stuff. Let's head over to Peggy's. Hi, Peggy. Another question about peonies. Uh-huh. I I have a a bed of them about three by three foot by three foot. They're they're very old, but they're the first things that come up in the spring. And by the time they get blooms on them, they're so tall and heavy. They're all laying on the ground. And if I pinch those off, I'm pinching off the blooms. Right. That's correct. What can I do? <laughs> you have to you have to basically support them. So some of the old, you know, some of the older varieties, the stems do elongate, the flowers are heavy, and it causes them to weep over. So you go to your favorite garden center and just tell them you need some peony rings, and that'll rings. Be, yeah. Okay. And it's just a, it's I mean it's the same thing that you can use to support tomatoes too. 
Oh, okay. So, All right. And just put the rings. There'll be like probably three, probably maybe three and maybe four, you know, stems that you actually push down around the, where the peony is. Then the foliage okay. will come up and that will keep them from weeping over. Oh, okay. Thanks. That helps a lot. Right. Okay. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> Have a good day. You too. And now let's go over to Don Jard. Hi, Don. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Uh, I I have uh, some uh, blue um, blue uh, trying to think of that evergreen that uh, one is called a blue rug and the other uh, blue rug juniper. Yeah, juniper. Uh huh. Uh, now I know the blue rug. It it grows close to the to the ground. Yes, very and, flat. Uh, uh, then I have a couple more next to it. That's a, it spreads. I mean, they spread out a little bit wider. Do can you prune those back down where they don't grow too high and uh, uh, they don't take the appearance of the other ones? Uh, basically not. Junipers really don't take too much as far as, uh, you know, pruning as far as controlling the size or anything like that, it's, oh, especially the ones that are ground cover types. So if you're thinking that, you know, they're getting, a you know, too much, let's say, loft to them, there's not too much you can do because if you cut that off, the ability of the juniper to push out some new growth in that spot and to the new growth, when it does come out, is not going to be any shorter than what it, you know, what it is currently. So it's a genetic thing. There's nothing you can do about it other than taking those out and getting some blue rugs if you want them all to match. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably what I'm going to have to do because the, the larger ones are a little bit, they're taking the appearance of the, of the blue rug and... You know, and they hanging over a little bit too, too large. What I thought it was, I didn't know at the time. Okay. So uh, that's the situation I was in. All right. Well, great. Thanks, Don. All right, then. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike. How are you? Very good. Hey, I have a couple questions for you. Um, the first question is, is when can you move uh, ground covering? Uh, that, you know, they're kind of tough to do. But uh, is this an evergreen one or is this an herbaceous one? Um, so in other words, I mean, I don't know the difference. I got the Majuga that I want to move. I got this uh, Creeping Jenny that's created a really cool um, theme for me that I I want to move around to other spots. Uh, you know, those that's what I have. Yeah, Ajuga and the Some Creeping. Pachysandra. Yeah, so those are herbaceous types. So in other words, they're totally dormant right now for the most part. I would say okay. unless you just desperately have to do this, I would buy new ones as opposed to trying to move some from the existing colonies. 
Okay. I, I know that's more of an expense, but it's, you know, to translocate them into a new location, uh, you know, it's just going to be, it, it could be kind of iffy, to be honest. And so okay. you're better off to get nice, healthy plants with good root systems and then get the area that you're going to, you know, you're talking about planting in, get that prepared and then plant some new plants. So just buy like, you know, a flat of 36 or even just a cell pack of six or something like that. Or if you want to get some, you know, more mature ones or larger ones, you can get like four inch pots. But I Are would you talking more of the creeping jelly there? Pardon me? Or both of them? I would say both. Oh, okay. Because I go a juga and it's like, it's like gremlins. You get water on it and then they just take off. No, well, um, if, you, if you want to go ahead and do it, but uh, sometimes you know, it's kind of slow to backfill the areas that you dug it out of. Uh-huh. Okay. But at least wait until probably May. Yeah, if I or, to do it. or mid, probably mid-April, because the ground should be warm enough by then that, uh, okay. you know, when you move them, then they're going to be able to, you know, the warmer ground is going to make the root system reestablish in the new location. Okay. The other question I have is is that um, I've got pack of sand drive, one of those circle-type driveways, and i got pack of sand drive on the edges. But there's a couple spots that I've been trying, and it just gets too hot, and it burns them out. Right. Um, and I put a, a ground cover that then turns into a really pretty yellow, uh, flower in the springtime. It's a wildflower and it looks great, but it's so invasive. And I want to take those out and put some perennials in, uh, like a flower that would have a pretty bloom, but also would have, you know, pretty leaves, um, when it wasn't in bloom. And I didn't know if you had any recommendations. It's pretty warm. Yeah, that's a really hot area. Yeah, that's kind of a tough spot because once the, you know the pavement starts heating up, it can really do some damage to uh, anything that you'd plant there. How tall do you want the plant that you you're asking me about to be? I mean, just kind of give a, a an entrance. You know what I'm saying? You're coming into my front door area, so I don't know foot foot and a half, not overly huge. I would probably there's several different varieties like you know of the the sunflower family that I would take a look at. Okay, okay. And then one last thing, I I, I transplanted a uh, uh, a dwarf blue spruce. It gets what six, what about eight feet tall. Uh huh. Last year, because where I had it, I don't know if it got too wet or I don't think it was too much sun. But uh, I transplanted it. What should I do in the fall of last year? What should I do to prepare it for the season? Just make sure that if there's any kind of extended periods of, uh, you know, where there's no rainfall, that you don't let it go through a drought stress. Okay. Okay. Other than that. All right. Well, I, that's all that I need. I really appreciate your, uh, your input. Okay. Enjoy so, your day. And one of the probably one of the varieties to consider as far as in the sunflower family is called Coreopsis. C O R E O P S I S. Okay. Yeah, I like Leatris, but it's just the, the, the leaves after it blooms, it doesn't look very good. Right. So the Coreopsis um, is gonna be it's gonna be kind of airy and feathery as far as the foliage goes, but it's it has an extended bloom period. And let's see, where should we go now? Let's go to Barbara's yard. Hi, Barbara. Good morning. Good morning. 
I have a, I, I have a question about herbs. For Christmas, I received, um, it's a, a unit that has the water at the bottom. You put these pods into it, and uh, a bright light comes on. I planted parsley, basil, dill. The dill came up first. Nice. I used a couple of fronds, you know, for cooking. But whenever I repotted it, it dried up. It fell over. And I want to repot. I want to pot the basil and parsley, but I'm afraid the same thing is going to happen. Yeah, transplanting. What did I do wrong? Now, these are ones that you grew from seed? It was a seed. It came in a little pod that you put down into water with, uh, you know, food fertilizer and a bright light comes on maybe 12 hours a day. After about, oh, I would say a week, the pars- or the dill came up. Uh, I believe the parsley was next and then the ba- uh, basil. Right. And, you know, each one right now is about four to five inches tall, but the the dill... I, I'm, I, I know I just need to uh, get rid of it because it has fallen over. Every frond on it is dry. Right. So I think you've got to be really cautious because the other two are going to probably end up doing the same thing. Okay. So what caution should I take? Uh, I would, you know, personally go to your favorite garden center and just buy some new plants. You could go ahead or just be, you know, ready to do that if you need to. But with the herbs, okay. for sure, that, you know, you want to make sure you don't overwater them. They have to be on the dry side. And, you know, bright sun, if you're putting them in a pot, are you putting them in a pot in, to move them outside? Or are you putting them in a pot to try to grow them in, in a window inside? I was going to try inside. See, right now they're growing in water. Right. And so you just have to keep it very, very moist, or is it just going to be a disaster whenever I take them out of the water? I think it's going to be a disaster. Okay. Okay. I mean, you could give All it right. a try, but that's, you know, this is a, a very kind of odd, it's hydroponics is what it is, and you can grow some things like that. But to you know, a plant that's grown in a hydroponic circumstance like you have, to make that move into a potting mix is going to be difficult at best. Okay, okay, yes, I I have gone to uh, different garden centers in the spring and purchased herbs, put them in, you know, put them outside, right. and they've done very well. And I've had fresh herbs all summer. So, okay, I'll just have to do that again this year. I thought I'd get a jump start on it, grow my own, but it's obviously not going to work out that way. Yeah, I mean, it's great to watch and everything else, but uh, success-wise on making, like I said, to grow, take something from a hydroponic circumstance and put it into potting mix is going to be, like I said, iffy at best. Okay, all right. Good advice. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Now let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Uh, I'm having a problem with uh, my maple trees. Uh, I have lost one maple tree in the backyard because it just got real thin leaves, and we ended up having to take it out. 
I have another young maple in the front yard that's got the same problem. It just looks like it's anemic as far as uh, leaf production goes. Is there something I can put in there that would uh, spark this tree back to life? Now, the one that you said you had to take out, was it like an older tree? Yes. Yeah, so that was probably just an age factor as much with that. With the young one, it sounds like to me that if, you know, with the discoloration that you're describing, that whoever planted this younger tree didn't plant it exactly right. And so consequently, uh, there's not really anything you're going to be able to do as far as soil preparation, fertilizing, you know, adding, let's say, sulfur or lime or anything to the ground that's going to make that much difference. So Uh-oh. physically, it's been planted too low. Too low? Yeah. So oh, words, okay. So always when you plant anything, any kind of woody plant, the top 20% of the root ball should be higher than all the surrounding ground. And that way, if there's any settling at all. But the maples are pretty tough and durable, but they still can't handle, you know, so, let's say moisture, an abundant amount of moisture around uh, the trunk slash root system. I see. Okay. And I'm losing a, a Korean dogwood to the same uh, symptoms. And this is a older established plant too? Yes. Yeah. So again, that's probably more aging than what, you know, because uh-huh. it was, if it's been there for several years and, you know, done well, it's just a matter of, you know, I mean, we all have sort of a limited amount of time that we can survive, and the plant material does too. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, K. M. West Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open, but let's go over to Doris Yard. Hi, Doris. Hi. Hi. I have a question about an indoor uh, small fig tree uh, bush, and it is about a year and a half old. It has done beautiful. It's been growing uh, wonderfully, and now all of a sudden the leaves are just drooping down, and I've checked the moisture, seems to be okay, and yet it just doesn't look healthy anymore. What would you suggest or uh, have any ideas? The best thing to do is to let it go totally dry. So in other words, it's probably been too much moisture on the root system, and that's caused the root system to actually rot but that's usually what happens with the you know the you know the fig trees the ficus trees is too much moisture so could it be that it needs to be replanted or repotted in well, new soil you don't necessarily have to do that you can pull it out shake off a lot of the existing soil and just see how much moisture there is but then you know if you're going to replant it you can plant it back in the same pot the same size but just, you know, get some potting mix that's going to be dry. And uh, hopefully that will help it. But sometimes once they start showing that drooping that you described, recovery is going to be, uh, hmm. Not so good. Not so good. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Have a great day. I hate uh-huh. to you know, I hate to be harsh about it, but uh, that's you know, I mean, that's kind of the reality of it. Once they start downhill, that's something's obvious like that. It's uh, real trouble. Let's go now to Keith's yard. Hi, Keith. Hi, Mike. Hey, um, when's the best time of the year to put that? Uh, oh, what is it? Something iron sulfate, something or other on my hydrangeas that turn them blue. Uh, probably aluminum sulfate is what you want. Aluminum sulfate. Okay. I, I got a bag of it already. I buy. I just couldn't remember the name of it. It's out yeah. the garage. So, uh, if, you're, if you're going to apply it, pull the mulch back if you have mulch. You know, just sprinkle it around on the ground and just uh, then put the mulch back. But you can do that pretty much any time. It doesn't really trigger any, uh, you know, any growth at all. It's just it changes the chemistry of the uh, soil. And then that, you know, the, the hydrangea then uptakes those nutrients from the aluminum sulfate and then consequently, you know, goes up and then works on the flower. So definitely get it done before you start to see any kind of flower, you know, bud formation. And uh, so pretty much you got a month or two where you can uh, get it done. Okay, well, that's great. That lady that had the hydroponic system, I've got one of those, and they're, they're designed for like people in apartments that don't have a yard or, right. or anything. And they, they, they're supposed to stay in that. Uh, Cause I had the same problem. I tried transplanting mine and they didn't make it. So you just got to raise the light up higher. It's adjustable, which she probably already knows this. You raise the high, it up higher and then, you know, just come up with a creative way to support the plant. Cause I had, um, cherry tomatoes growing really? and you can imagine how tall and lanky those would get oh yeah I mean, they, they they were all over the counter the ones that weren't right underneath the light had trouble turning red right so i had to, i had to keep cutting it back and just take the ones that stayed under the light but that's that's there I, I never could get one to transplant out of there and into soil either yeah that's why i told her i said you're not going to really have good luck once you go from the hydroponics there I yeah mean, not- now, I've, I've developed my own little system uh, with a much larger pods, you know, where the roots grow out of. Oh, really? And they, yeah, and they actually grow, and the roots come out. And as long as you got a lot of air roots and roots in the soil, um, in the soil and the liquid, you got all three sets of roots, I can take those, the pods and all, and plant them out in the garden, and I'll have a I have a three-month-old mature tomato plant in the first part of June. Really? And by the 4th of July, I'll have actually had tomatoes. That's the only way I've ever been able to get tomatoes by the 4th of July, like some people like to brag they do. Wow, that's that's a really interesting story. So, anyway, yeah, those, the hydroponics is uh, a lot to learn about. Them. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it sounds easy, and it is easy, but they, like you said, the transition from that to uh, the real, I don't want to say the real war, but a different growing <laughs> world is going to be uh, tough at best and probably, like you said, won't happen. Yeah, they, 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 go in pretty, they go into a pretty uh, deep shock when you try and do that to them. Right. Well, thanks. Thanks, Mike. Yep, thank you. And now let's head over to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. Hi, Mike. Hi. I'm calling about the guy who had trouble with his maple trees. 
and lost one. I have had the same issue going on for over two years, and I've had two different arborist companies come out and look at them. was told the same thing. They have maple scale. So, And they actually showed it to me. I had not noticed it until it was pointed out. So they told me that I had to find an arborist company that would do dormant oil treatments to these trees. Ah. So I had them treated once. Uh, Let me think now. It was in the spring of 21. They told me that I had to have the dormant oil treatment twice a year in the spring and in the fall. And they said after a couple of years, the trees would come out of it. The problem is finding an arborist company that will do the treatment. The first company that I hired went out of business, although I had a private phone number from one of those employees. So they gave me the name of a second company. And I'll bet you I've had six phone calls into them. And they always say they're coming out, and they never do. And I've asked around, and I I just can't find a company that does this dormant oil treatment. So I'm afraid I'm going to be losing mine, too. I've got two trees, two autumn blaze maples, a Japanese maple, a hard maple, and a crimson maple that all have it. And I'm afraid for sure I'm going to lose one of those autumn blazes. It's really sick. And I paid $1,000 for one tree. Whoa. Whoa. So these must have been pretty (laughs) large trees. They were really, they were beautiful trees. And they were 10 years old when they got sick. Or that, those, that, those particular autumn blaze. Yeah. They were 10 years old. I really haven't seen scale on maple trees that are really, is really that big. Yeah. I mean, as far as number-wise or anything else. Yeah, I'm just really sick over it. And actually, the first company that did come out and do the dormant oil, they also did a deep root feeding. I don't know if that, you know, but everybody tells me I need this dormant oil treatment. The problem is I can't find anybody to do it. Hmm, that's interesting. So Maybe go go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website. And see if uh, they have any recommendations as far as a company. But, I mean, there are several several different types of... Did you try Timberline? No, I did not. Okay, you might try them. I'm going to write that down. They're out of St. Louis or where? Yeah, they're here. I mean, I've done some uh, commercials for them and everything else, but you might give them a try. Timberline, okay. I live over in Illinois. I'm in Maryville, but that's okay as long as somebody will come over here, but... Okay. Well, that's what I know about maple trees. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks. I have sick one. Yeah, I never Alrighty. knew that uh, you know, the maple trees would have scale that much that's going to impact yeah. it to that point. Just like the gentleman said, it's like the leaves started getting smaller and smaller. Then I'd have branches with no leaves at all. And it was like you could see through. It's like hardly no foliage at all on these trees. And yeah, it's it's a sad situation. Yeah. Also, what you who you might call is the Illinois Extension Service, since you live in Illinois, and see if they you know if they have a recommendation as far as a tree service goes. Illinois Extension is that the formal name of it, or yeah, it's the University of Illinois Extension. So every oh, you... I mean they have an extension office pretty much in every county. 
Okay. That they're not oh. going to come out and do it, but they may be able to recommend somebody that could. You know what? Is that the same office? I wonder that um, I took a soil sample to per your recommendation one time. You said that my soil needed to be tested, and I took it to the Madison County. Mm-mm-mm. Can't remember the formal name, but I know where it's located. I'll, I can talk to them too. Right. It yes. might be the Illinois Extension Office, and I just don't recall the formal name of it. Right. It probably is. Okay. Well, thanks, Mike. Yeah, good luck with that. And thanks for the insight yeah. as far as scale. I mean, wow. Okay. I mean, I've seen yeah. lots of maples, but I've never seen scale to that point where it actually, you know, kills. <laughs> so. Well, they said, they told me, one of the arborists told me that it came over with the Japanese maples. Oh, and then it's... When the, and it's spread. It has spread to all the other maples. Because like I said, I've got two autumn blaze, one Japanese, one crimson, and one what they call hard, hard maple. Right. And every single one has it. Wow. And my neighbors are so worried that, you know, when I had that one treatment, they all had the treatment, too, on their little tiny ones. They're all newer homes around me. Um, so they're smaller trees than what I've got because I... I was here for quite a few years with no no homes around us. Um, but, yeah, nobody can get anybody to come out anymore. So I guess they're just overworked. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a tough one. So, anyway, thanks, Sue. Uh, bye-bye. Good luck. Mike Miller, KMWash Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and let's head over to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hi. Uh, thanks, Mike, for taking my call. How are you today? Um, I've got a question about a juniper. I'm trying to screen my side yard from both the sun and the neighbors. And I was just wondering, what is the um, tallest and or the fastest growing juniper is what I'm thinking of. I see them commercially everywhere, and they seem like they're all about five foot tall. <laughs> well, that's probably the, you know, as far as the size that's going to be available to purchase. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's several varieties. I would maybe even consider using an arborvitae as opposed to a juniper. I was going to blend in some arborvitaes as well. Okay. But I, but I also have a couple of tall trees. Since I'm trying to shield both the side yard and the sun, I've also got a couple of red oaks. So can those, and I was thinking the junipers would be better to encroach on the oaks than uh, than the arborvitaes. Well, if, the, if these are mature oaks, that means they got a massive root system probably. And then consequently... Nothing is going to be able to go up against them. So I can't hurt the tree, but I could encroach as much as they'll grow. Right. Gotcha. Okay, and this does as is a, a kind of a west-southwest facing. Um, is there any other ground cover that you would suggest to give me about four or five foot of height? A, gr- a ground cover? Or not ground cover, but a, um, a hedge. I would pro- So do you want an evergreen? Yes. Uh, hmm. And I do like the burning bushes, but I know they're not ever. Right, exactly. So that's going to, it's just going to be a tough situation trying to get something established with the root system of the oak trees there. Uh, These are not 
super mature oak trees. They're not that, um, you know, they're mediums at the best. So what's the diameter of the trunk at the ground? Uh, one of them is probably the diameter, um, which is the cross section, I would say, is probably uh, 18, not more than 15 inches. Well, that's still a figure that the root system uh, goes beyond, slightly beyond the extension of the branches, and that's where all the feeder roots are, and that's consequently where, you know, anything's going to have a difficult time. I believe that. Okay. So, I mean, I know what you're trying to do, but it's just going to be, you're going to be butting your head against a wall. Well, I've planted and, and harvested many a tree and bush in my years in this yard, so that wouldn't be new to me, but I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably if I was going to, anything, you know, shrub-wise that you're talking about getting that size, it's going to be, uh, like I said, difficult to get itself established, and then it's going to be, growth rate is going to be relatively slow, even if it's, in theory, a faster-growing one. But if, you know, if I was looking at anything, I would probably look at the, the spreading U. Oh, spread, oh, gotcha. I do have a couple U's in, in my yard now, and they are a really tough plant, so that's right. a good they're, idea. They're the most tough and durable. Okay. Um, and I can just let it go wild. Right. And probably okay. uh, the U unpruned. Uh, there's one in my neighborhood that might be about uh, 8 to 10 feet high, but it's been there for decades i gotcha well i'll, I'll just give that a, a thought and i'll mix that in with a couple of uh, with an arborvita here and there that's far enough away and i probably will be my about my best option yep i think so well thank you so much sure my pleasure and now let's head over to shirley's yard hi shirley good morning mike hi i have a couple questions uh, when do I trim uh, use and boxwood? Is it now or later? Uh, no, go ahead and before any kind of new growth begins, go ahead and you can prune them now. Okay. The other one is I have a lavender, and it's not the kind that you find that's uh, for sale in the in the spring with a little, almost like a little butterfly on the top. It's not that. This one was purchased from a lavender field. Uh, and I was told that you can't separate the root at all, uh, and, and it's pretty large, but I need to trim it back, and I don't know how far to trim back or when to do it. Uh, as far as pruning goes, I would never cut more than like 25% of it off. Okay. Uh, and uh, as far as separating the root, I was told that you shouldn't do it, but what's your suggestion on that? I don't think it's going to work. I mean, the root systems, you know, it's basically one root system, and then the stem comes out from, you know, that root system. So it, it's not dividable. Okay. All right. Good. It's, it's, it's great for butterflies, and uh, it's, a, it's a busy plant in the summertime right. when it's in bloom. It's just Absolutely. gorgeous. Yeah, okay. I mean, just kind of right. your best to just leave it alone. Uh, okay. Well, it looks kind of ugly now in the shape. Well, so. <laughs> So Lots of things look pretty ugly bit. in the winter. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Okay, thank you so much. Enjoy sure. your show. Oh, thank you. And, David, could you do it kind of quick? Quick. Uh, Peace lily uh, no longer flowering. Do I need to – what do I need to do for it? Have you – we're talking about the house plant, right? 
Correct. Yeah. Have you fertilized it? Yep. So if you're doing fertilizing and the foliage looks good, then why it's not flowering? Maybe inadequate amount of light would be my guess more so than anything else. Okay. Should I divide this? To... Yeah, I mean, they're very, yeah, I mean, that's one plant that you can divide pretty easy. So what you want to okay. do is just kind of cut it where you have stems and root system, pull it out of the pot, cut it where you're going to have stems and root system available on, you know, both pieces or however many pieces you cut it into. Okay. And then when you put it back into a pot, put it into a smaller pot than what it is currently. So you don't want to put it back into a bigger pot. You want to put it back into, if it's in a 10-inch pot now or an 8-inch pot, go slightly smaller because you've di you've di done a division. Sounds good. Um, and when should I start putting out pre-emergent on the yard? As when the yellow forsythia is in bloom. Okay. So, well, I don't have any around the neighborhood to okay. uh, even watch for that. Well, basically what you can do then is go to your favorite garden center and get a soil thermometer, and when it gets 55 degrees, that's when you want to put it down. Sounds like good. Thank you a lot, sir. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles. And Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.